everyone. This is Read, Watch, Play. I'm Cleo. I'm Justin. I'm James. And for this series of episodes, we have a special guest with us, Corinne. Hi, everybody. That's Corinne. Um, so for this series of episodes, we're, the theme is lifetime travel, aka time travel within one's own life. And for our first episode, we're going to be talking about the book Replay by Ken Grimwood. Uh, so just to give kind of the basic premise of the book... Um, the main character is Jeff Winston. He starts the book by having a heart attack and dying at his desk at work. And then he wakes up again in his 18-year-old body. Um, and nobody else realizes anything is weird. But he has all his memories from his lifetime. But realizes that he has gone back and is going to relive his entire life again. And this isn't a spoiler because it says it on the back of the book jacket or whatever. But that is not the only time that he goes back to relive his life. He continuously keeps returning dying at the age of what is it 42 43 43 and then waking up um much earlier and having to relive relive his life again and the story just kind of explores the different attempts he makes at living his life and different people he meets and what he tries to do with the information he knows yeah so (laughs) all right so i mean first everybody's thoughts i fucking loved this book yeah i thought this was really cool i didn't know anything about the book before. I think uh, you were the one who brought it up, Cleo. And going through and reading it, I, I thought it was really cool. And But even just like doing some research and that it's it's the kind of thing where I was really surprised that I hadn't heard of it. Just I, I don't know if it's sort of just sort of gone down in acclaim a bit since it's heyday and what looked like kind of the 80s, early 90s. Or if it was just the kind of thing where everyone said, yep, we all know that this is awesome. And we're just going to set it aside and assume that everyone is just aware of it. It's one of those, it's one of those rare books that was very good and got a lot of attention, but was kind of treated the way games are treated, which was like, it came up was really popular and then basically just disappeared. Uh, which seems to me at least kind of rare for, for genre books like this, especially. Yeah. My aunt was the one who suggested the book to me and she's like a big reader of sci-fi. So like everything that's kind of big, um, she's pretty much heard of it and probably read it several times. And she's a big fan of time travel stories in general, um, especially ones like this, where it's kind of less like, oh, I'm going to travel back to, you know, prehistoric times or like the 50s or like prior to when you were born. More like these kind of, I'm going to try to fix things in my own life stories. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much you can like do with that, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I definitely, I enjoyed the book. I found that entertaining. It was quick. I listened to the audio book. Who else listened to the audio book here? I did. We're going to have a lot to talk about. That. Oh, are we? <laughs> but I, um, and I, you know, while I did, I find it, uh, I found it entertaining for sure. And I'm glad I read it and I did overall like it, but it's very dated. It came out in 1986. Yeah, I think it was written around the time when Jeff dies in the story right yeah it's it's not far he, after that he dies in 88 i want to say no i've got he dies in like the mid to late 80s it, mid to late 80s um which i think is about the time when when depeche mode was doing really well and sorry <laughs> I, I everything in the 80s i defined by like what depeche mode was doing at the time Good to know. <laughs> but yeah actually the interesting thing is ken grimwood died while um of a heart attack, right? While writing the sequel to replay, which just never got finished. And I don't think anyone's ever seen anything of it really. I think we're just in the timeline in which he died and he's currently repeating in another timeline and he'll write the sequel eventually. Yeah, exactly. So I guess one of his later ones, because this is the one where he wrote the book about his experience. I don't, well, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into that. Yeah. Cause my brain's going to start to hurt. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is definitely one of those, because um, whenever you have a time travel story, right, your, your questions going in are going to be like, okay, are they going to explain how this is happening? Like, why is this happening? What are, like, you, and your brain will automatically go to the paradoxes, right? Like, how can I break this time mm -hmm. travel mechanic? I and, do it all the time. Yeah, this is, yeah. and I'm going to just say, like, right now, if you're a person who likes time travel stories but needs the time travel to be, like, very scientifically based and, like, very well explained and have the logic be, like, 100% sound, this might not be your book. You're going to be real unsatisfied. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely more of a personal story that involves time travel as opposed to a story about time travel. And yeah. it's definitely much more of a love story than I thought it was going to be going mm -hmm. into this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I thought, whenever I hear time travel stories about, like, going back and trying to, like, fix your own life, I think, okay, there's going to be family problems you're going to be trying to address. There's going to be problems with friends you're trying to fix, you know. Somebody's going to address JFK. Always. Every, yeah. single, every time. single time. It doesn't matter when time it's travel happens or to when they regrets. go. I know. I know. That's the only thing. I was, I've been watching 112263. Yeah. Series of One numbers. One of my favorite books. And um, you haven't watched. Everything is going about. And even in like Gone Home, right? The father is like writing a book about. That's what the dad's yeah. time travel yeah. books yeah. are. Yeah. So that's all <laughs> time travel yeah. is for is saving JFK. There's the new Pretty Hulu much. series out about. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's literally that's what it's about. Yeah, it's a James Franco, Stephen King book thing. But yeah, so how did we, yeah, Kurt, how did you feel about the audio book? Because we both listened to that. I'm um, curious. <laughs> I actually, I really enjoyed the audio book. But the one thing that I definitely wanted to bring up was this one point where, <laughs> where the narrator says the words firm penis. <laughs> and I just, I said this to Justin because I was talking to him a little bit as I was listening to it, but it sounded, the narrator sounded like George W. Bush impersonating Clinton at his trial. That's what it sounded like. And I could not get that image out of my head for the rest of the time I was listening to it. That's so specific. <laughs> but I'm not wrong. Tell me if you disagree. <laughs> there are so many. Well, because like there's an interesting, the Southern accent thing. I also listened to this at like 1.5 speed. So some of the oh, accent stuff God. might have okay. been like a little off on me because I have to like, I want to get through it. Yeah. And so I always like make the speed pretty high. Not like, just like short of being a chipmunk. But yeah, I was kind of confused about some of the accent stuff going on. Like I thought he was a good narrator overall. I think he did a really good job. Um, You definitely knew who was talking in every scene, which is always very important. Yeah. Um, But there is definitely a lot of mentions of like genitals and like reproductive there is things. a healthy amount of sex in that book a lot of talk there's a lot of descriptions of bread and like this the reason i said well one of the reasons i said this book is pretty dated is that treatment of female characters in this pretty rough not it great. doesn't pass the bechdel test female characters are generally in this be you know if they are a romantic partner or someone he's romantically interested in or they're like somebody's mom or daughter like, then those are, like, the functions you can serve as a female character in the story, kind of. Also, yeah. this is an actual line from the book. A machine made for fucking. Yeah, that That, that is that an happened. actual line from the book. That definitely happened. It was a little rough at some parts, but it felt like his character learned, although certain things were never ultimately addressed. Like, it, it felt like he became a better person although i don't know if it's because he actually did or if he just stopped involving himself with situations in which he was a bad person does that make sense yeah 
Okay. But I mean, does that in and of itself make somebody a better person? Yeah. You stop putting yourself in those positions. You stop making the decisions that lead to you being a bad person. Yeah. I think we can all agree that Jeff is kind of a creep as a character. I mean, like, stuff I don't want to mention until we're into, like, spoiler territory. But there is a lot of examples of, like, creepy shitty. I mean, have you guys watched the movie About Time? No, but that looked cool. Actually, no. Okay, so, wait, Justin, did you say you had or hadn't? Haven't. Okay, so, I am a big, like, rom-com fan. Um, Has Domhnall Gleeson, that's how you say his name, right? I know we've, like, done episodes where we've Uh, talked about him before. Hmm? Domhnall. Domhnall? Okay. Mr. Gleeson. um, (laughs) And Rachel McAdams. But it has, it's a time travel love story where the guy basically has the ability to, like, go back in time in his own life and redo things. That would have been a good one to watch. And... Yeah, I know, <laughs> but we did Looper instead, but you know, it makes, I didn't know that replay was so like romancy, so I might've yeah. suggested that otherwise, but, um, yeah, it, it, you gotta, when you have time travel and like a love story, it can get creepy because you have all this knowledge about other people that they don't know you have because like in their mind, they either barely know you or you haven't even met yet and you can like manipulate them with all this stuff that you know in this kind of creepy, it's like time travel stalking. Yeah. Alternatively, I feel like it's you could fall in love with somebody and then go meet their younger self, and then it gets kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I feel like it's it's almost really difficult to be doing that kind of thing and not like be just be creepy, right? You just have all this knowledge that you've gained in a non creepy, non stalkery way, and then you're in a position where you shouldn't rightfully have that knowledge and in interacting with this person. Yeah. What's the, what's the solution? Oh, well, I guess I better just forget everything now. It's right. kind of like the vampire stuff too. It's like Edward Cullen, right? He's like however many hundreds of years old, like dating a 17 year old girl or yeah. something. Just happens all the time. It's like, not to mention that's like the worst case of pedophilia you could have is mm-hmm. that you're like literally hundreds of years old preying on a teenage girl. Yeah. Which in some ways, I mean, I'll, let's draw an arbitrary line for spoilers. Let's say, do we want to get into go as far as the first replay and then call yeah. details after that are no for now. I think that's but fair. But within that is fair game. Yeah. Sure. sure. Um, so it's the kind of thing where I, I think that all of that is like everything that we've been bringing up is totally accurate and that it is really weird. But one thing that I actually did like the book for is that it doesn't seem to shy away from the fact that Jeff is kind of a creep. And like when he goes and meets even, um, uh, Judy, no, um, Linda. Linda, his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Linda, his first wife, when he goes and he tries to meet, and he does his best to like kind of hold off until about the time they would have met each other. But then he goes, and because of, like he just like approaches her and is very confident and has, uh, by this point in the story, has used all of his foreknowledge to bet on the Kentucky Derby, and then... The crazy, which world, I don't remember which world series, but that crazy Dodger sweep. Yeah, and then make a bunch of investments. And so he comes and he's just like a a different person who just kind of bizarrely knows all about Linda and just like meets her on a beach. And it's just like, no, no, I promise. Like, I know, I even just that his response is like, look, I know I'm really creepy now, but you'll come to love me eventually. And that, like, he just hasn't quite figured it out yet. And it's one thing where I, I completely agree that, by and large, like, the female characters in this book are not well-written. And it's definitely awkward. And they're there to kind of serve Jeff's story. But at the same time, 
I think at least in some of these situations, the book doesn't like shy away from making Jeff just objectively a real creepy dude. And this isn't even the worst of the situations. But I like that in these situations, because you're in Jeff's head, it doesn't explicitly say like, yeah, and this thing that he did was really creepy. But I don't know, the way you see people reacting, I feel like it's really easy to empathize. Like, yeah, if this guy just came up and was doing this, no, of course. Like, I'm amazed that he doesn't get just like arrested at this point and then spends the rest of that lifetime in jail. Yeah, that kind of would have been an interesting thing to happen. Like, I would have loved for him to just like end up in jail. Yeah, for real, that would have been really cool. There are are characters that, you know, call him out on his shit and also I think have threatened to like get restraining orders and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, Linda. I think Linda does in that one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he, he goes and that's the thing. He goes in originally and he's like just trying to be confident and normal and, and, and smooth. And she decides to walk away. And that's when he like freaks out and he tries to, and just goes way too far. But then he, like it keeps happening, right? He sends her flowers. He sends her like a bunch of love and, letters and gifts and stuff. Yeah. He's he, super he, mega yeah. rich. starts calling her and she sends it all back. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just like, dude, come on. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you don't know, that's creepy. Like something is wrong with your head. Yeah. But I, and I think it's kind of nice. I think a lot of, I think a lot of books that do something that try and like convince you that because this is the protagonist, it's like an okay thing to do and they just don't understand. It's like, I don't think there's anything in this that tries to convince you that Jeff is being anything other than the worst in this situation. Yeah. I think it was kind of interesting though, because the book seemed to treat him as though he was younger in that, that first go around. Like it, you sort of forget that Jeff is actually like almost 50 mentally. Yeah. at, At, the point that all this is happening but he's acting younger or the book is treating him as younger something just makes him feel less than his mental age which i think is interesting i definitely felt that he gained more maturity throughout it which i mean you know after you live for a couple hundred years you better hope you're mature but yeah i do think that's one i mean i feel like the idea of being thrust back in that way Mm -hmm. it's 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 you literally are growing up again right and so despite having a mental age in like mid to late 40s it's he's basically you know 25 again or whatever age he is when this stuff's happening because like this like the replay itself is this whole new thing right whereas in later replays he has this like in like heightened maturity almost right because once he once he's gone through it the first time and he's doing it well it's like the replay itself is also not this new novel thing that he's living for the first time which is why i think he like it's like you know i think there are there are actually moments where that's emphasized like the sad hand job moment where he like (laughs) is like starkly confronted with the realization that yeah, he's in this young body again and reliving these young person experiences, but also he has the experiences of an older man and he knows how unsatisfying and immature and, you know, whatever these younger man experiences are. Right. It's also, I mean, we're talking about timeline-wise, the 60s are so different from the 80s, which is where he ends up. I mean, like, those are very, very different eras because early 60s are very similar to the 50s like when you think of like traditional 50s conservative values right yeah well in particularly where he is and he mentions it a lot where he's um when he comes back he's in college in georgia so he spends i, I think this is probably why a lot of the accents are southern in the audiobook but um where he's going back and there's several times where he goes and he mentions like yeah being here at i forget what university is at emory I think emory right. yeah and he goes and just that yeah the things that he knows 
are going on in other universities. It's like, yeah, this kind of this movement just hasn't reached Georgia yet. And he mentions that as he is around there and how kind of bizarre that is to him because he has this this idea of what the 60s are. He's like, oh, yeah, but it does start particularly in a place where it doesn't really feel like the 60s yet. It does feel a lot like the 50s. You guys want to want to talk about charlotte but can we talk about her in the context of just the first replay that well i feel like no no we really can't um, charlotte was the biggest problem point in the book for me, me as well. and it, you really can't address it without addressing him as a complete person having completed as many replays as he eventually does so yeah, yeah. so uh, i mean I, then this might just be a good point to to cut over to to the spoiler section yeah i think that makes sense um I would say just other things just about sort of the book in general, spoiler free. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was just it. I don't have enough context for like the history of time travel stories, which is why I wanted to bring this up here. Cause I wouldn't be surprised if someone else in the room had more, but it feels like there are a lot of things that feel like they were probably inspired by this that happened since, but I don't know if there was like enough of a history of, stories like this that this is just the earliest one that i personally have seen so i'm attributing them to the wrong the wrong source right but it it makes me really curious if like we were talking about before that this was something that did sort of make a splash when it was published and then just sort of has been sitting on a shelf and obviously hasn't aged super well but does anyone know of other things that would have come before this that would have done this kind of thing because this feels like as bizarre as it sounds it the way this is written makes me feel like it was a pretty novel idea at the time of its writing. Like it doesn't, it seems still kind of clunky with the idea of reliving parts of your life over and over again. And we've talked about a few things like this, but where things like uh, run, Lola run or edge of tomorrow, um, bizarrely since retitled live, die, repeat edge of tomorrow. Um, but things like that, that have groundhog day, groundhog day. Absolutely. Yeah. Groundhog day is a perfect example. When did that come out? Was that pre or post? I don't know. That's I, I. I think that's kind of what I'm wondering. Sure Groundhog Day was '90s. That sounds right. Maybe or like maybe 1990 yeah, or '89 or something. Yeah. But so it's the kind of. It, does anyone know of sort of culturally significant stories, sort of of this sort, that would have come beforehand? I'm I'm sure that there were some, right? Like we're obviously not going to know what like some forward-thinking people writing short stories in science fiction magazines, you know, were were doing at that point, but feel like this is the kind of thing that Philip K. Dick probably wrote about, considering he wrote about everything. That's true. Philip but K. Dick I can't wrote about name a, lot of stuff. a book. Um, yeah, prior to like the mid '80s, I can't really think of anything because usually when you mention this kind of topic, people are going to jump to Groundhog's Day, right? Yeah. And certainly there have been a lot of things that have happened since then, since like the mid to late '80s. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, and certainly sci-fi had a bit of a. It definitely there was like a boom in the 80s and late 70s just in general for that so yeah there were a lot of things that were relatively early on in what we're going to remember happening then but yeah i mean this could very well be the first you know ma- like not mainstream but like first significant instance of this kind of story yeah happening i mean does anybody know enough about hg wells to know how that worked because, just the time machine yeah because i know that i mean i've read the time machine like it's very yeah it was a pretty different, different story okay. yeah it, that's that's a lot of the part that feels new to me from it or at least new from something as as old as this that a lot of the stuff that i think of as being sort of early time travel stories are those kinds of 
they went back way, way far in time, and now they're like with ancient Romans or dinosaurs or something like that, where it's more of a more of an adventure story as opposed to a a more personal about like the growth and change of this person and his relationships with people and what it means to just like try your life over again and to be young again when you're mentally older and yeah i mean i think your closest proxy is probably like doctor who because yeah, you have, that's true you sure have, you know the doctor one character who he's not traveling back in his own timeline per se but he has a consistent through line yeah in the story and kind of traveling all over the place sure i mean i personally always associate like sci-fi fiction or time travel fiction from the 70s with being much more epic yeah like that like going back and you know romans vikings dinosaurs whatnot, yeah exactly evil times and and sci-fi in general and fantasy in general i feel like you know throughout the 70s and early 80s was, was very much kind of more like on this wide like kind of what is it sword and planet genre stuff and um these kind of like really big sweeping space opera things and then starting in like you know mid to late 80s throughout the 90s and onward it got to that more like smaller personal story um and you start seeing like more cyberpunk things yeah i mean well obviously the, the genesis of cyberpunk occurs yeah during that time and then like right now i mean there's so many books i can think of now that are very much like replay but nothing from before like for instance um life after life by kate atkinson takes place like during world war ii has to similar kind of theme and then I haven't read this, but someone told me it was kind of similar. The Impossible Lives of Greta Wells by some dude whose name I don't remember. <laughs> I love some dude. Some dude best, right? I've read all of his stuff, except for the one you're talking about. Weird. Yeah. I'm a big fan of some dude's early work, but I feel like, you know, once... He once really he, sold out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's just something, something that I wanted to bring up because it's the sort of thing where it... I guess I'm not really used to something that has some of the themes that this seems to be going for, but also feels so starkly dated, like that it's, it, it really makes me think of it as potentially being really very early on in this kind of storytelling and potentially a really big touchstone for a lot of the things that have happened since. But again, I just didn't really have that sort of historical context. Yeah, and I guess it's interesting now, like we have the benefits of the past, you know, 20 some years of, time travel fiction and media and now having consumed all of that we get to look back at what we're assuming is the first one that really did this sort of thing and getting to say okay well this is what you did wrong and this is blah 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 but you know it's, it's hard to look back on the first of something and then criticize it yeah and I, I i think that those were the things that i actually really liked about it was just how kind of rough a lot of these ideas that we've gotten used to feel and that obviously there's plenty of problems with it but so there with everything but the kind of thing where it it did feel bizarrely enough new for the kind of story that we've actually seen several times since i just i i thought that was neat yeah but, it did have a very different flavor to it which yeah. i appreciated yeah uh but with that i i think this is another one of those episodes where we're kind of champing at the bit to get into actual spoilers and what what happens in the book later so uh clear would you like to introduce the next the next topic in the next series of episodes yeah so our theme for our next series is escape the, the theme is escape or escaping uh, escape escape um so we'll be reading uh the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay and we will be watching uh the, uh, for the prestige, prestige right? um which has to do with you know escape artists and our game will be playing <laughs> uh you won't be surprised if you listen to our kids killing kids series uh we'll be playing 999 i'm so excited 
we James has been waiting for this day. I love this game so much. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Uh, <laughs> probably. We're actually just gonna let him talk for that episode. Yeah, I could until do he it. faints. I could do it. See how long he can go. You can talk out. for the entire episode, but you can't take a breath. I could do it. That's the only <laughs> caveat. Uh, I'm so excited. I love that game so much. There's so many cool things about that game. Broken and unfun in several ways, but it's so cool. It's so smart. Um, for everyone playing along at home, uh, start trying to find a copy now. They're hard to get. 999 uh, is also on, the, on iOS. Was that one still on iOS or was that the yes. one where we found it? Oh, awesome. Never mind. They're not hard to get. Get on iOS. Real easy. Yeah, I have it on my phone. That's how I played it the first time. Also, how many endings? A lot of endings. Uh, probably nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the game's big into re- repeating themes. Um, Imagine that. I, for real though, I think, it's, I think it's a bit fewer than that. It's like five to seven. All right, cool. Um, it's undoable to get them all. Got to catch them all. All right, so if, spoiler. If, if you want a handy guide on how to get all of them, I wrote one and it's on the internet. Oh, <laughs> I need wow. that. I think, I think I think we're all going to be playing with we're that now. We're going to be playing with James Scott. <laughs> all right, so here we are in this treacherous spoiler territory. What is the first thing that we want to say? Uh, all right, well, let's be a little more general before we get specific. I know you guys are 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 chomping at the bit. Yeah, uh, let's do kind of a rundown of more or less what the back right so the back nine of this is. Were you guys like was anybody particularly unsatisfied that we didn't get a real answer to why it was happening? Not really. I think we all knew that we weren't going to. Yeah, it felt like the kind of... As soon as... I was really worried when they started, like, investigating why it was happening. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, oh that, God. That whole scene with the crazy guy oh, who yeah. was also replaying. Yeah. The, for the first half of him, like, talking about what was going on, I thought it was going to be true. And I was like, this book is going to be ruined for Yeah, me. exactly. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be true. I thought exactly what ended up happening was going to happen. And then I was right. And I was yeah, like, Yeah, it well, took me about halfway into him talking... It was like right before he started talking about paying tribute to them. I was just like, this is too out there to be what's really going on. We've gotten no hint of this kind of stuff beforehand, and it doesn't make any sense. And then he started talking about, like, sacrificing yeah. for the alien. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're definitely way Appeasing. past. Yeah. yeah, appeasement. That was what it was. What was it? The Antarians or something, right? Yeah. 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 So I like at first I was like, oh, no, is this what this book is? And we're just like doing a complete genre change right now. But then I realized my aunt wouldn't love this book so much if this mm. was like legitimately uh. where this was going. So I was like, okay, this guy's nuts. Uh, Stuart something, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's only he's one of three replayers in the book that, that we, we know, know of. of. Well, yeah. four, four, including the epilogue. Um, oh well, yeah. Five including, the, uh, five, including the mysterious note from Australia. Yeah, I was really mad yeah. that never I turned into so anything. I was so mad that that never came back up again. I totally forgot about it. Honestly, I'm almost kind of more glad that it didn't because that was it, the big part where I was just like, oh, like I've been like it interested in this book, and I'm just about to even lose that. Was when I thought that the book was going to become about like figuring out why they're going back, and it was going to have some kind of like ending where they needed to like come to terms with the fact that they couldn't live forever or something like that. I was just like, it, it's weird. Cause like in that moment I could see like a whole plot line, like laid out ahead of it. <laughs> and I just wasn't interested in that plot line yeah. to pull from something else that we're doing like there. And it was a circle and I was just like, uh, it's just going right. to be all those things. It's like, Oh my God, I get it. I really don't want that. And I was so glad that it wasn't like that was, that was my big fear was that this was genuinely going to become about, I don't know. It like the whole back finding. third of the book was going to just be that. Yeah, like figuring out what was happening and why it was happening. I was like, because I was, I was invested in Jeff 
as a character. I didn't necessarily like Jeff as a character, but I was invested in this being like a story about him, not mm -hmm. a story about why. And because I, I very rarely find the stories about why very interesting. So yeah, I got, I got real scared for a minute there. Real scared. But yeah, I mean, I personally, it, that would have been, I don't know if there could have been a great payoff for it, but I mean, it felt like there was, there was such clear setup. Like maybe it was, it was going to be just somebody else who, who was replaying and was also trying to figure it out and couldn't. And it would, it would be another one-off thing. Like what happened with Stuart, or it would be somebody who became part of the story, but not necessarily that the story became about that. Mm -hmm. um, but just somebody who was stuck, right. The way yeah. they were like in some way during that replay. And, and there was no way that it was going to work to like meet them or talk to them or anything like that. And instead just no payoff. Yeah. Which was, I'll admit a little disappointing. Were you guys surprised when Pamela first showed up and did yeah. you, did you understand what was going on? Cause I, it took me, I didn't realize until they flat out said like, she's a replayer. Yeah. The moment oh. that he uh -huh. saw the thing for a movie he had never heard of before, that was that important. I was like, yeah, this oh, is, yeah. 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 I was like, this is a hundred percent what's about to happen. Yeah. I had that pretty early, but it was the kind of thing where that was another one that I actually liked a lot because that was right at the point in the book where I was like, man. I'm going to be really frustrated if every single one of these starts fresh and there's no like growth or through line or other character that like we can grow with. Cause I'm invested yeah. in Jeff as a character, but I really need someone for it him to like, it, yeah, it needed, yeah, this book needed Pamela. I, I need someone exactly. else to be interested in here and invested in here and someone to like call him on his shit because just him going through this and going through the whole, like you're a person, you don't know what's going on. And just cause that's like, even at the beginning, that's the worst part of the book because we, as people who have read the back, understand his situation and are already on board and i totally understand that jeff needs to have like a a good couple years of just like oh my god what's happening i'm trying to understand but having to deal with that every time there are new people i was really glad that there was someone else who could be a through line and it came in at exactly the point where i was sitting there like on the train thinking i'm gonna get real tired of this book if like someone for him to talk to doesn't show up well that was only like that was like at the the first third of the book i think Maybe a little bit after that, but yeah. Pamela is a huge, huge part of the story, and I, I definitely agree. Like, the story needed Pamela, and she came in at just the right time. And it's like, oh, this is why we still have two thirds of the book to go, and it doesn't just become. That's what I was really Jeff worried about. Slowly sinking into depression. Like, what's the moral here? Well, if you live too long, you get sad. <laughs> now, you live alone in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> If he had gone like super crazy and the book had gotten like really surreal at that point, that may be a different thing that could have been really cool. If we got really Philip K. Dickey at that part, yeah. sure. that could have been something else and really neat. But those were the two directions that I felt like the book needed to go. We either had to get like super weird and druggy or we needed someone else to grab onto here. I think is it, is it time to talk about Charla? All right, let's talk about Charla. I mean, about, I feel like... Yeah, I mean, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just, again, with, I mean, so many descriptions of breasts, for one thing. I don't think there's a female character who, again, who isn't a mother or a daughter um, whose breasts are not described in some way. Like, as, like, almost in more detail than their face is probably described. Yeah. It's, their hair's described, and their breasts are described, and their level of purity is described, yeah. which is really awkward and weird. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's like, seems to be the main kind of defining personality trait of a lot of the female characters, right? Like, are they innocent and pure, or are they, like, slutty? Machines and, like, made for fucking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Sharla, God, Corinne, why don't you? Sure, so Sharla, I guess, is 
I mean, essentially a star fucker. She goes to Las Vegas and she hooks up with people who have money and has sex with them and they buy her nice things and she gets to, you know, she likes to just have nice things, I guess, which is fine, you know. She's like a she's like a cereal sugar baby. Yeah, basically. yeah, it's it's fine. But, you know, in, in Jeff's first replay, he meets her and they get involved and they stay involved for quite a while. And it's very obvious that he just has nothing but disdain for her. It's just very uncomfortable and terrible. And, you know, he describes her as a machine made for fucking. And eventually he gets tired of her and she's not really that surprised, I guess, because that's her lifestyle. Right. She also was pretty tired of him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really weren't good for each other. Um, and then he just packs up her stuff for her, gives her some money and puts her on a plane. And she's like totally cool with it. Yeah. That's it. The end. And that's the first time we see Sharla. And then we see Sharla again in the third replay. Is it the third one? It looks like it's three or four. It's, it's later, but I think it's a later than. I feel like he avoids Sharla in the third one because that's the, uh, the Judy replay. I have a real hard time keeping I think that, well, the, the by replay, I'm considering the first replay to be when he, at the beginning of the book, when he goes back. The first one is the real deal, his real life. Second one is when he goes back, Kentucky Derby, oh. Frank, all that stuff, and meets Charlotte for the first time. Then the second replay is when he meets Judy who, again, who is his college, or his college girlfriend, and ends up marrying her. And, then, um, and they have this ideal life and they have kids together and then he goes back again because he doesn't realize he's going to die and end up at the beginning again. He's devastated, kind of. He's kind of devastated his kids are gone. I don't know. He... Well, no, the, in that one, it's not uh, Judy because that's all the first replay. So the Charlotte stuff happens. Yeah, and yeah. then he gets and married to And then he gets married to Diane. Diane. And the only good thing that oh, comes right. out of that is right. his is, child, is Gretchen. His daughter, Gretchen, yeah. Right. You're right. And okay. he, he gets obsessed with his own health and he goes to a doctor constantly and then like, you know, he, he's being monitored and eating well and working out. And, like, a you know, the day that he dies and, and starts the replay over again, he um, he had been to the doctor earlier that day. And he was like, your heart's in perfect condition. Your body's in perfect condition. Like, you're, you're as fit as somebody who's 10 or 15 years younger than you. I wish all my patients were like you, blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, you know, happy and content. And he goes out for a walk and drops dead of a heart attack at the same time. And that's when the replay starts over. And oh, that's, and then he adopts. So kids that's with Gretchen, Judy. right? And yeah. Then he has Judy. He's with Judy in the second replay, but they adopt because he can't have kids again. Yeah, he has a vasectomy because and yeah. that's the other problem I had a little bit. Like, he can't bear to lose a child who is like his own, like flesh and blood, right? But they adopt kids, and he his argument was, well, it's not like his involvement is. I mean, they'll continue to exist. Like, they will live a life. These adopted kids, whether or not he adopts them or not. But the fact that like he pay he's like less attached to them than he is to Gretchen, his like I did understand the mentality though. Yeah, I mean I think having gone through that is going to be the kind of thing that makes you react to it that way. Is it like it made sense to me from that front. It was like I will like I can adopt kids so that me and Judy can have kids and she can be happy and all of that, but like knowing that they're not mine will make it less painful when I die. Because it means that they won't go into non-existence completely next time around. Yeah, the right. thing that killed him was that Gretchen literally will never exist again. Will is just is nothing. She's nothing. She does not exist. She can't exist. There's no way that he can get Gretchen back again. Because right. he can't replicate the circumstance exactly. Yeah. yeah. But Charla. Charla. <laughs> um, so 
I the replay the next one after Judy I believe is the one where he just has sex all over Europe all the time right yeah he, yeah, just he goes gets to orgy parties like, something because like something snaps yeah he when he, he dies really that time and breaks. he just go it's just like a dark period right and so he yeah he like does his normal thing gets his money goes to Vegas like find Charlotte and it was like do you want to go to Paris like he doesn't none of the organic meeting stuff doesn't play any of it he was just like do you want to go like do you want to fly to paris like tomorrow basically or like there's a flight to paris in three hours like something uh something like that and they just go and then it's just like wild sex and drugs in mostly like they're based in paris and they're like living with these other people in paris and they travel all around europe Mm -hmm. um yeah and it's just yeah it's just sex and drugs all the time yeah um although there the best part of that i think was when he tells it's uh Marielle, right or marie marie morel marie it's Murray. a french name i just i'm Murray. terrible with french names. I, that was my horribly horrible friend Murray. <laughs> i don't um, know but when he tells marie what's happening right and they've like just taken lsd i think or something um yeah and he tells her and she like just takes it and was like yeah okay seems and, like the perfect sympathetic ear right and, yeah. and just seems like she like she she's not gonna tell people and she probably thinks it's weird but obviously she doesn't believe it but she doesn't like freak out or call him crazy or anything like that and it he's like all right this is fine and then when that whole like thing is finally over and he's flying back is he flying to the u.s with Shyla? or they're already back in the u.s but they're flying somewhere they're going else to hawaii yeah. i think yeah um and so yeah they're on on this flight and they get into a fight and she tells him that like Murray told them all and they all i mean they all none of them liked him and that they all she told them all about that and they were all just like making fun of him behind his back and like thought he was kind of crazy and and all and he just like breaks even further and i remember and then the plane Mm -hmm. right the plane is like like an engine fails yeah and they have to make an emergency landing and they manage to do that and they're on the tarmac and he just leaves yeah Mm -hmm. he literally like pushes her i mean she's like freaking out and she's i think apologizing for the argument and stuff and like she's just desperate for some reassurance because they just all nearly died and he just like kind of lets her fall onto the grass and like walks away while she's calling after him yeah that's one of the i mean it's hard to be sympathetic to to him in any way that he treats charla because generally he's kind of awful to her but that's one of the few times where i was like uh, like I, it kind of didn't bother me. I I agree that, like, Charlotte wasn't really written as the nicest person. Yeah. But I think that the... I, I would have been okay with every... All of the Charlotte stuff if there had been some sort of reflection on it towards the end of the book after he'd gained all this experience and wisdom. And yeah, he never goes never. back Never. Charlotte was never addressed again except as you know, uh, a series of women he had relationships with for different reasons as he was contemplating his own, you know, great life or like long life that was great sometimes and terrible other times. Like it, like she was just sort of a a figure that he dealt with along across his long lifespan and not, and there was no point at which he genuinely reflected on, you know, who Sharla was as a person and the things that he did to her and the things that she did to him. And, there was just there was just no reflection on on the things that happened, and I think that's 
where the problem was. Yeah. I definitely felt like he didn't think of her as a person. He thought of her as like an event that happened to him. Yes. She was an experience, not like an individual. Yeah. I mean, I can go behind that. And then there was a, then there was this weird little bit with like the French teacher, yeah, from high school. He like reflects on it very briefly. Yeah, that was a weird segment just altogether. I don't know. I didn't yeah, know where it just fit got, like, in. Really introspective for a brief period. Where it's like he had a crush on his French teacher in high school, and it's not even like this isn't something he replays. It's just like a memory he has, where there's like a bridge that this French teacher's husband had built for her because she was pregnant and she had to walk over a stream to get to school. And Jeff freaks out because he's jealous of the baby and the husband. He breaks the bridge apart. And I remember this is one of the things where I was like, why there's so many descriptions of breasts? Because he was like, oh, yes, her breasts were beautifully swollen with milk. And it's like, you can't even, lactation's not supposed to be, like, it's not a sexual, I mean, it's you know, it's not, like, there to make him horny. That was just another thing where I was like, why are we? That one I could almost understand, though, because he's like, just a super hormonal like crazy kid at the time yeah. like if the idea right. is this is what he noticed in this time of his life where we're supposed to like reflect on him as being like just doing crazy things and that he at that point i think it's totally valid to say that and i think it's true for most of the women that he ends up involved with but that i feel like is just the epitome of him seeing her not as a person yeah but as just like i don't know his first like object of attraction for lack of a better term yeah but and that very much that which is the one thing where they're like that makes some sense to me if the idea is that that's just what jeff is seeing but at the same time that doesn't necessarily like follow through to everyone else unless the logic is that even after all this time he never really gets that much better than what he was as like just a crazy what would he have been like 14 year old 15 year old yeah yeah it was in boarding school right yeah Yeah. i I, and i don't even remember it was even high school was it i thought it was high school it's like that's the big thing that i couldn't remember if it was like like early high school like his first year yeah i could see i definitely think of him as being in that like early high school late middle school and i wasn't sure if we knew exactly what side of that line he fell on but yeah that was i i remember thinking that too and the one i guess justification i can think of it is if that's to illustrate the fact that that's all that he's thinking of and he's just a crazy 13-year-old. Yeah. I mean, your 14-year-old me would have done that. Like, that would have been how I would have thought of it. Wrecked a bridge or? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, meant, I meant object of affection, like yeah. the way he was thinking of her. Would you have reacted that violently? No. Okay, not good. Any, not anywhere in the list. That was, cause I also thought that entire thing was talking more, like, literally about how he thought about her, not his, like, psychotic break. Yeah. yeah. I was like, A, really glad that Jeff felt scummy about it looking back. Because yeah. if he hadn't, I, <laughs> there would have been no redemption for him. Yeah, it was guy. one of the only things yeah. that made him seem like a normal human again. Was like that he reflected on that and, and understood felt... he was being awful. Yeah. And then B, I was like, oh my God, is this normal for 14-year-old boys <laughs> to feel this sense of sexual betrayal and then break shit? Because like that's horrifying. I, I mean, I will say, I don't think it's normal for somebody of that age to think it and react that way, but I do think it's pretty natural for at least, I, I mean, I don't, it's pretty natural to feel a sense of sexual betrayal when you realize your first crush doesn't feel that way about you, but generally that happens at like an earlier age before you even understand why you're feeling all the things that you're feeling. I'm talking like, you've got like seven and eight year olds that have crush on their teachers kind of thing. Basically what he's doing, but at like half the age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And hopefully less violent. Well, I again, 
that one's going to vary. The propensity for violence <laughs> is also just... Okay, that's fair. Yeah, is, is lesser when you're younger. All right, well... Yeah. Jeff is a problematic person. We've talked about that in multiple ways. Um, Pamela, one of my favorite moments, I think, was Pamela. Because at the very end, Jet, as they keep going through the replays, they keep kind of waking up or becoming aware that re they're replaying later on in time. And then towards the end, it's like years away from like when they originally started replaying. And, oh, well, actually, let's talk about Pamela's for the first replay where Jeff and Pamela know each other and they've both died and they come back. And Jeff goes to find Pamela, who is younger. She is, uh, he's 18 and she is 14. And yeah, that was, and that's, that's an interesting, I mean, that's an interesting thought exercise, right? If you're both mentally... What, like point, in your 80s in the, like or 90s something, or yeah. something? Yeah, it wasn't even until way later that he met her. So, I mean, they're probably, like, well into their hundreds by the time they oh, have, that's like, true, it's number three. replayed and died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's his third replay. And they also, like, they replay they play through that entire thing, which means they're both in, like, their that's true. And it like, mid-hundreds. It's late number three when they meet each other the first time. So it's beginning of number four when he goes well, it's back. it's 25 years each time, which makes it really easy to calculate. But plus, like, uh, about 50 for the first one. Right. Yeah. So we're looking um, at what? Yeah, or I guess early hundreds. Yeah. I was thinking, like, 43 times 3, but realistically, it's 43 plus 50. Yeah. So, yeah, classic early hundreds behavior. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he goes to try to find Pamela and... He doesn't, I guess he doesn't realize that she hasn't, like, she don't understand what the they, trend yeah, they is don't yet. They don't have any context yeah. separate, or That there's even enough of a separation between them for it to matter. Yeah. And yeah. so he goes and he finds her and she's living with her parents because, like, she's 14 years old. Right. Yeah. Uh, she has no idea. She creeps, he creeps the fuck out of the dad. Because he's like, I'm Pamela's right. friend. And Which he's is like, like totally yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, and yeah. he even knows. He was like, yeah, this is All of that dad's work. instincts were on point. I know. I was yeah. like, good job, dad. You should. But then he was like, fine with it later. I don't know. But. I mean, he was still pretty. The thing is, is that, like, he was still pretty intense about it. It was just that later, like, she knew, like, Pamela knew what was going on and, and like, wielded all of the power she had as a daughter like threatening to do that like she was threatening all kinds of weird stuff to tr get them to agree to let jeff show up also i'm yeah. sure it was kind of surreal when their 14 year old daughter suddenly became this like completely different person 125 oh, yeah. year old person <laughs> yeah because like her demeanor completely changes and stuff yeah but, I mean, how can it not right yeah but it's still i don't even knowing that they're both like mentally the same age about what in like and like you know vampire old basically <laughs> it's still a little bit weird to me the idea of like an 18 because okay are we thinking that like brain chemistry and hormones of puberty are still playing a part here because i mean that's a really good question they have their memories but are there is their brain structure different like physically they're obviously there's yeah different. i mean physically i don't think they could be they they would have to be going through it again well at least she would right like yeah the yeah, 18 year old is more or less going to be done we would hope although the way jeff acts maybe not but well they definitely fucked like all the time yeah that's but true I mean, but i mean would they would you expect anything less like even if they had replayed into both into bodies in their 20s oh, what are fresh two young bodies yeah what are two people in their 90s mentally who met when they were in their 40s already or in their like late 30s already you know physically what's the first thing they're going to do lots and lots and lots of when they're 20 again um but that's that is the only like visible way that it's happening 
right? They don't ever really address her being like kind of hormonal or like yeah. mood swingy or, or like anything going on. That's interesting. That that you would get like the hormonal teenager doing. Well, I mean, I wonder how much, I wonder how much, I don't really know the history of physiology of the brain as like a scientific study. So sure. I wonder how much yeah. Ken Grimwood would have been aware of about the physicality of brain and the impacts on personality and why teenagers are teenagers and sure. all that stuff at the time of the book's writing. Or and realistically, is there any reason to like? There's no reason to to say we can know in any sense what's going to happen when somebody's the memories yes, and experiences of, a, of, a, of yeah. someone in their early hundreds gets projected into their 14 year old body. Are, are the you know, like brain chemistry changes of puberty going to have an effect on a hundred years of learned experience? I don't know, Justin. I want to see some <laughs> case studies. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where like I've I've given this description to. Uh, some other people that I know about like why like certain superpowers work a certain way where if you go and you try and like hyperanalyze it's like oh well if the flash is running that fast like shouldn't like like what about friction and this kind of stuff you say no his superpower is that he can run that fast and also friction works in such a way that he's allowed to do that right. like that's that's a tangential part of the superpower his superpower is that this effect can occur and all the physics that needs to work for that is true speed force yeah so, but it's the kind of thing where we can say, I, I feel like it's almost what you have to apply here as well. And you have to say, yeah, just the way a replay works is you go back and also puberty doesn't happen then. Yeah. And, and it just, that makes as much sense as anything else that's happening. Right. So it's, it's the kind of goofy thing where like whenever you go back to something like this and it's just like, oh, well, does the science work? It's like, well, we've already suspended our disbelief for this <laughs> yeah. part. So I'm going to go ahead and say that part of the way a replay works is you just have total control over any sort of like a hormonal imp- just imbalances that you have as a young person. That just yeah, reminds me of the, of the historical accuracy arguments that come up with other stuff, but I don't really want to go into that because that's a long winding road. <laughs> yeah. I just want to mention it. Everybody think about historical accuracy arguments. Moving on. And we're done. <laughs> uh, can we just talk more generally done, about Pamela, maybe? Yeah, we or, certainly can. Like, yeah, just in, yeah, because we haven't at all. Yeah. We really haven't. So, We've been yeah. jumping around a lot. But, like, there's so much that happens that it, I feel like it's just too much to unpack. Yeah. To, like, try to unpack every single replay. Yeah. Well, she shows up, and, that, and like I said before, I was very surprised that, like, another replayer was going to show up. I didn't think that was where the story was going. I'm glad it did go there. Um, and, and her history was kind of similar to Jess, right? I mean, where she had been married. She had had kids. The th- well, that was the thing for her. She had kids. Yeah, that was the thing yeah. that made it more devastating for her because she loses the kids. And, yeah. Um, and that was one of the time. things that hits the hardest about one of their later replays because she, you know, comes to in her younger body and she has already had her first child again for the first time since she started replaying and she's pregnant with the second one. Yeah, she's not in a position like where Jeff is, where there's a few really weird replays where it's like he comes in and he's with Linda and it's like when their marriage is already like falling apart. And at that point, I think that's actually one of the more interesting parts in the story, because at that point, you're so invested in Jeff with Pamela and like what they were doing at the end of the last one. There's like, oh, shit, Linda. Right. Yeah, we do have to deal with this. And you don't really feel bad about the fact that he just stands up in the middle of something and leaves her. And you're just like, you know, yeah, it's terrible. But right now I'm in this mindset where this like this set of events only like exists for another five years. And right now I really want to see what happens with him and Pamela and whether like Pamela comes back now. Yeah, because that, that's like the that's the last replay, right? And that's the one it's, where they're like, 
their marriage is is I mean not last replay last yeah. replay but like really right there at the end it's really like, yeah he, he like comes back in the middle of a fight yeah they're in the middle of an argument and he literally just leaves and like I was kind of dumbfounded yeah that it that he did it that way because he had done everything else that he had done so far like had a lot of like forethought to it and yeah. he like made sure to take care of people in yeah, his in each life of those, right given whatever he was in the replay like the first time that he comes in after they're already married. Yeah. He like uses some of his foreknowledge to get a little bit of money together. Cause he doesn't have as much ability to do so, but he, he gets enough to like get her set up pretty well. And then they like get divorced. Yeah. And like he goes a, off and finds Pamela. A much more like amicable divorce. Yeah. Right. And it's the kind of thing where I didn't feel like awful with myself for thinking that until later. Cause I was just like, Oh yeah, leave. Like I, I really want like the, the main story to continue now. This doesn't matter. This is, like, it's when you go back and you do, like, level select in a game. And you're just, like, and you're going back to wrap something else up. And you're just, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm sorry. You're in, like, real danger right now. The house is falling down, whatever. There's a collectible over there, though. And that's what I really need. Because, <laughs> but, like, you're going to be fine when I reload my real save. But I think that's that's part of, like, what, like, that instance was one of the things that made it a little easier to identify with him. Was because we had the same investment in the same things that he did. And so he ends up doing this thing that's, like not really great and it's almost easy for the reader to overlook because you're in the same like mental place as him at that, at that moment yeah and also i think it's important to note that I, i'm pretty sure this one was on the heels of a you know everything with pamela and all that but that one was on the heels of uh, the the perfect life with linda yes okay no so, which <laughs> no, no 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 the per there was sorry there was the perfect life with linda then there was the CIA stuff. Oh. And then there was yes. that one, which That's... was like the final, final one. Because the one where he gets up and leaves Linda in the middle is also the one where he goes and finds, he like lives in New York and, and like, like intentionally runs into mm. non-replay Pamela. Isn't it? No, yeah, I... no. The CIA one is before the perfect life with Linda. Because that's, because right after that, he was like, okay, she needs some space. I don't even know when she's going to be coming back around. You're totally I'm with right. Linda now. Let yeah. me just, and he, that's when he writes the book. Right. And then he and Pamela meet again at her art gallery thing. And like, or before she calls in they and they reconcile. have dinner. Yeah. And then they go to the gallery. Opening. It's very hard to keep it all straight. Can we talk <laughs> there about, are a lot of can we talk about Starcy? Yes. <laughs> no. Talking about Starcy is part of the conversation about Pamela, which we were going to do. Yeah, sorry. And then we got distracted. No, it's fine. So let's, let's talk <laughs> about Pamela. It's like, a mix between what he's he's directed by Steven Spielberg, right? No, directed by George Lucas, produced by Steven Spielberg. It's, it's it's the Star Wars. It's the whole Star Wars crew. Yeah, it's it's like a combination of Star Wars and Close Encounters, and it's about dolphins, sentient dolphins, sentient dolphins communicate that were made super smart by aliens, right? And then like they they were like supposed to observe humanity and like report back to the aliens when the humanity al reached a certain like level of. Yeah. Like enlightenment or whatever. Yeah. And then the aliens died. And it's supposed to be like this really incredible, like moving movie about like spirituality and enlightenment and like the human condition and all it's that like stuff. It's like this huge amalgamation of like close encounters, Star Wars and, um, Jaws. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. I assume uh, Anthony Daniels plays a dolphin. Kubrick. 
2001. Yes, ah, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, and with like a sprinkling of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I guess. Draws. So long and thanks for all the fish. Right. Um, it sounds... I don't, I'm trying to imagine it, it, like if this were really a movie. I feel like yeah. they would all get in James Cameron's sub and then film everything underwater. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing that only works because the story needs for there to be this like really moving picture and it only works because grandma's just like she made this movie called star sea and it's about some weird shit and it's the best movie ever made and just accept that and roll with it because that's what we need for this because i read that description i was like okay sure you know, no amount of early like spielberg lucas is making me like buy that this movie is for real that I just imagined like Lisa Frank artwork when like dolphins like happy little cartoon yeah. dolphins yes. and like I don't it was, I mean it's cheesy but it's really I mean one of my favorite things about Pamela was that in a previous replay she married Dustin Hoffman of all people yep <laughs> and it's interesting because like there's like this name dropping of real people in the fictional world kind of a god unfortunately this reminded me a little bit of Armada it's like a better version of what Armada did. Right, because there was yeah, also, when they there bring was in very little of it. Like it was really just in the beginning of like Pamela's stuff. She had her first replay where she was a famous painter. Yeah, and that was when she married Dustin Hoffman, and that's how she knew all the stuff about the film industry. And right. that's when she went and the next replay she, she went. Yeah, well, and then there's also a certain amount of just Jeff as Jeff had been like a radio reporter, and so there's they reference a few incidents where like he had interviewed someone famous it was like a it was like a, it was supreme, a supreme court justice court or justice something who and that down, was his yeah. first big break mm-hmm. and a few things like that where they they call in like actual people and obviously some real life events the the world series the kentucky derby etc yeah but yeah but that by and large it's it's not like a oh hey like everyone remember this from the 70s wasn't that great it was like no yeah this is a thing he has foreknowledge of and right but and part of it part of it that makes it feel that way to us is all the Hollywood stuff are people that whose like fame has endured. Right. Whereas yeah. a lot of this, the other people and events that are referenced are stuff that like, Oh, okay. Like as somebody who was born, however many years removed from this thing happening and has, on, has only heard about the things that have stayed in the mainstream, like these yeah. wouldn't be on our radar, but like Dustin Hoffman, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Kennedy assassination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like all of those things are still one of my favorites though was, it was kind of random. I think it was in Paris with the Sydney Bechet. The jazz musician, yeah, who was there in Paris, and I was like, "This is a really interesting choice for like a real person to be added into this story." Yeah. I like to me, it meant absolutely nothing. I like jazz, so. Well, then there's like the weird moment where they meet like young Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because like, oh, yeah, he decides he, to he invest in Apple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like he, that's one of those. It. I really kind of wish they hadn't like. I wish a few more of those they hadn't like then told you who it was at the end, and it was like kind of a game with the reader where it's just like oh yeah like when they're going through and it's like oh yeah the one was like taller and the other one was like shorter with like weird hair and like yeah it brings like charlotte to meet them and she's just like or no diane right it was diane, yeah, it was diane. diane yeah and she's like it's like the one the wasn't even yeah she's like oh well the one wasn't even wearing shoes yeah and the kind of thing where like it could be fun it's like oh yeah can you put together that this is jobs yeah. but then there's like a whole paragraph about like how smart steve jobs and steve wasniak are Right, where Jeff is talking about, like, you know, I couldn't not, in, like, trust me, it's going to be great what they're coming out with is, is and then they, like, talk about Apple or something. Like yeah, that. and then they, like, very specifically, like, tell you who it is. Like, oh, I feel like this was kind of fun when I was like, oh, I wonder if it's supposed to be them. And then they talk about their ice-cold, delicious Pepsis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just felt like product placement. Yeah, I remember that, too. It was like, really kind of, yeah. So, Pamela? Yeah, so we never, we... <laughs> we're good at this. 
Yeah, so Pamela makes Starcy that is a little bit hard to buy as, like, this movie that changes everybody's life, but... I felt like it was all right. Like, it was coming right after, like... It was, like, still kind of, like, the hippie movement age, so I feel like people could accept, like all-loving, benevolent beings, and also sentient dolphins a little right. bit better yeah. at that time. And I mean, time. it comes sure. across as very abstract and avant-garde. But in a way that's accessible. Right. And I think, I mean, having all the knowledge of how the movie industry, like the things that happen in the movie industry in the years following makes it easy to make something that might have a profound effect on people just because so much of what happens in it is like new and groundbreaking and like the way it's made, produced, and shown. I can buy into all that just I wish they hadn't given any plot because the fake plot to Starcy is just, I, I have such a hard time getting on board. With. Okay. Well, Ken Grimmauld is a novel writer and not a movie writer. So <laughs> I guess I keep imagining like a combination of like flipper and ET <laughs> like dolphin tails, right? Doesn't the problem is that I just never, I never tried to imagine like what, the movie would actually be maybe that was my problem is that i did and i was, I just, was like, like I... I just i took the plot at face value and took the idea of what the movie was at face value and just kept moving oh yeah um but i mean like i never like i never tried to think about what that movie would look like or or be like and just it made it easy to not i think I, have that, that problem i got there eventually but that first reading of just like this is i'm like and this is the movie that changed the world <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, beside the point. So Pamela makes Darcy. And one of my favorite parts of just like the whole, even just like Pamela's storyline is that then she makes her follow-up movie, which is by all accounts awful. Yep. Yeah. And just like way too out there and heady. And like, it's her attempt to explain the replays to everybody without just saying it. I really like that as a thing where it's just like, I'm going to make this crazy movie. And Jeff's just like, no, thank you. And she just comes out to see him and she's just like, so did you hear about it? He's like, no, did it come out? She's like, yeah, it was real bad. <laughs> I don't even remember what the plot was supposed to be for that one. I don't know. I don't really remember if they explain didn't... it. I, I honestly, her second movie in my head, I kind of pictured as like the black and white montages from the ring, but only with lots of circles and possibly also kind of like Metropolis. Mm-hmm. That was like in my head what that movie was. And I'm pretty sure I'm not far off. <laughs> you know what also made me think of Lisa Frank was like her artwork at the end in the gallery. It was like a mountain underwater and two dolphins with human eyes swimming in the distance. <laughs> like it was like very, it's kind of like new agey art, like like new age tarot card stuff. Sure. Yeah. Right. And like two figures soaring in the sky. It remind me of Brazil. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, Pamela is a person. Like I like her because she calls Jeff out on a lot of his shit. Yes, yeah, yeah I like she's Pamela. She's the like grounded one who's like, I don't know, more. I I just like Pamela more. Yeah, yeah. Pamela's just oh, a better sure. person. Yeah. Than yeah. Jeff. that's what I'm trying. And to for say. all the like, and for all the shit we're giving Starcy, <laughs> she's at least trying to do something to like better the world. And she's the one who kind of like pushes Jeff to say like, okay, can we try to do something because we know all these people are gonna die can we try to prevent these people, these disasters from happening or whatever, right? In this way, or like, also, um, she is like, I mean, she takes it a lot harder when they fail to help people with the, during the replay where they go to the CIA. Then Je- Jeff is just like, oh, well, it didn't work. Like, what can we do? And Pamela's like, no, we really fucked up. Why don't you feel worse about this? Yeah, yeah Pamela's always the one who was 
driven by more purpose and searching for more purpose to begin with. Whereas Jeff was just like, what types of women do I want to have relationships with this time around? What level of purity am I looking for? Yeah. Which is super weird. I wonder if that's tied to, I, I, I don't remember an instance, but I, I might just not be remembering it. But so early on in his first replay, Jeff tries to stop the Kennedy assassination because as we mentioned, you can't have a time travel book without Kennedy in it. <laughs> Kennedy being famous time traveler. Is this the first instance where that came up? It could be. That's insane. Setting the precedent for stopping... For literally every single other... I don't other... know. I feel like it must have existed before then. Did it? I'm sure it must have. There were only so many years for it to have been yeah, written. I mean, this is only, what, 25 years removed from the Kennedy assassination-ish? The Less. book was 88. Kennedy assassination yeah, was yeah, 63. Prob- probably, yeah. Something like that. But, and so you've got stuff like, I mean, like, you have to, like, Umbrella Academy. Who hasn't done Kennedy at this point? But, anyway, I feel like Point being, I wonder if that's where some of that comes from. It, was there something that Pamela describes where she did try and make like a big change and found that it was that it didn't work? I mean, or I don't think she does. Or is that CIA one the the one where she really tries to do that? And Jeff just has had this experience and has already sort of right. I mean, she knows that it that, happened that way. Like she he told he yeah, told her yeah, right he, that he tried heard his story, and she just had no idea why it ended up being somebody else when that replay happened. Yeah, um, she thought she was insane because Jeff tried to stop JFK from getting assassinated. Yeah, um, fun fact. And yeah, so I mean, she had never tried it herself, which might be, or which is probably a large part of the reason why she was so invested. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, just like it, she she's aware of it, but she's n- not had that feeling of. I tried to do this good thing and for whatever reason, the universe is just going to like leave the big things more or less as they are. And all that I did was like hurt different people. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that's an interesting thing to Jeff. And it's part of why I really like all the segments where Jeff just goes out in his cabin and just like goes to reflect. Yeah. And just yeah. like chills for like, it's like, yeah. And in this replay, I spent 20 years just sitting under a mountain, like growing stuff. I don't know, for whatever reason, I always really like those parts. Yeah. One other thing I had issue with in regards to Pamela, though, is that this kind of, it's like Ken Grimwood, I think, kind of expected us to just accept that female character appears. She's going to be interested in being romantically involved with the other replayer. And I was hoping that somehow they would just end up having a platonic relationship or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe that was too much to hope for. I think, I mean, I feel like in this, this very specific instance when you have, like, two people who are going to be the only people who can truly know each other in like any sense with everything that's going on. It's one of those things where like, it might not really be impossible, but I think the way it's portrayed in media is there's no way that those two people are not going to fall in love. Like no matter what it is, where it's some kind of story where two people are thrust into this kind of situation. It's just, it's just what happens. Cause I can think of like, I don't know. I can think of a lot of people who, if there was the only, if I was a replayer and the only other person in the world who I knew it was a replayer was like such and such person. I would be like, no, thank you. I mean, don't forget there was Stuart. <laughs> the Stuart. Right? Like, obviously, if, that's if true. She's got Pamela options. And Stuart found each other. That's not, that's not going to happen. By that mentality, Jeff's got options too. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a good point. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I might, I don't think, I, I mean, I guess it just, maybe it was supposed to be like the perfect whatever. Like, they ended up being compatible anyway. But, I don't know. I can think of a lot of people who, like, literally, it's like the last person on earth. Like, would you, like, hook up with them? <laughs> like, a lot of the times, my answer is no, I would not. 
Yeah. I feel like a nice middle ground might have been if it took like a couple of replays before they got to that point. Yeah. And it was, I mean, because obviously right off the bat, they have just a rough time with each other. But they definitely go from like. It's like the very end of their first replay together. They've kind of come to that point, right? It's yeah. when she comes back out to the cabin. Yeah. But that even though it's towards the end of that replay, they spend very little of that replay all together, like with each other. Yeah, it's because, like a couple of years, right? Yeah, they like meet each other briefly in L.A. and then they go their separate ways because they disagree about uh, Pamela's new movie. And then she comes out to find him afterwards just because she's looking for someone who she can talk to about this. And then from there, it goes pretty quickly into, my understanding is like pretty quickly into a relationship. I feel like I would have liked it a lot if it was like they were just friends there and then like the next one, something like slowly grew. But... Again, I'm I'm actually generally with you, Cleo, where I really like just platonic male-female friendships in media. I think that's something that never, ever happens without, like, oh, yeah, no, no, it's because, like, one of them's gay. Or, yeah. like, there's yeah. some reason why it's like, no, no, they can't, so don't, like, do that. I don't know. It's some dumb reason, or they're exes or something like that. Yeah. And even then, it's still going to happen at least half of those times where there's something like that that's, like, quote-unquote, in the way. But... So, but even if then we're going to say like, all right, well, in the situation, that's just going to happen. It it would have been nice if it hadn't been just like right away. It had taken like, well, shit, you're the only person who's not going to die. Like after I become attached to you. So I guess we're stuck with each other. Yeah. I guess the way I look at it is that like, they didn't have a lot of time together in that first replay to sort of hit that point. But the idea of it taking like another entire replay to hit that point when you're talking about like two people spending 25 years together. And, like, maybe generally kind of almost disliking each other until they hit, a, like, yeah. the polar opposite, or the opposite, not the polar opposite, but, like, to grow past that relationship is, like, I feel like it would just fail. Like, they wouldn't end up progressing to a point where they were in love. They would just, like, the book would not include Pamela anymore. She would have just been another phase. I feel like the really tricky thing is the fact that at the end of the day, we can talk about, like, what makes sense for the characters as much as we want, but we also all know that we, the reader, are reading a book. Right. And of course, that's how it's going to end because that's how it always happens. So even if it happened eventually, it would be the kind of thing it, you almost need to go all out or not at all. Because mm-hmm. I guess now that I go back and think about it, I would have liked that as a story. But me as a reader might have been frustrated if it took another, say, third of the book before they became involved. Because as a reader, I would have assumed that that was going to be the easy answer. So that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it would have felt like it was like, all right, we got there. We knew this was not like surprising. There was no tension here. I get it. It probably also would have lessened the impact of the skew, which came up That's immediately in the next replay. Right. That's a good point. Um, which is, I guess I should explain. Uh, as the replays progress, they start getting, they start jumping in to their lives at later and later points. So they reset, but at a further along point each time, and it gets exponentially larger each time they go, and they don't know why. They try to find out, and they don't because the only other replayer they find is crazy, and there's really not enough data. Yeah. Then at the end, they have a million heart attacks, and then they wake up and they relive the re- or they they live for the first time the rest of their lives. It's yeah. Implied. What did everyone think about that as an ending? It felt inevitable. I agree with that. Yeah. There was a point at which I was thinking, like, is he actually going to die at the end? Is he actually going to live at the end? Which one do I like? which one would I be more disappointed by? Because there's really no good answer. Yeah, those are really, you've kind of got those two binary choices. Or for a little while I was wondering, is the book going to end with just infinite heart attacks? 
and like <laughs> oh you never God. you never get past it but this is like Pretty that's just the end yeah and they're just or it's like left ambiguous and it's like well i don't know if he comes back to do it i don't know if he just dies but it's a genuinely like a third just as viable possibility it's just heart attacks forever <laughs> that is like a horrible hell to live in <laughs> well i mean you can never actually asymptotic approaching yeah you never actually hit it yeah <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting that his first thought was all of that was a dream. <laughs> None of that was real. Yeah. The only thing that makes it real is the fact that I'm now talking to Pamela, who I just yeah, called who on remembers. the phone and also just experienced. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean that was also his first thought when the first replay started. He was yeah. like, "Did I somehow like?" get drunk or, or or something last night and have this like insane dream dream of the rest of my, of my life. life yeah right like or 20 years of my life and like i mean it both of the like those reactions both make a lot of sense to me because i mean i guess the second time around it makes less sense I don't know. it just seems i mean i guess what happened to him seems is ex- not very probable but also the idea that he made all of that up seems equally as improbable <laughs> right but i mean you, i guess i look at it you know with like Occam's razor in mind, right? The simplest explanation is the most likely. So like the idea that you dreamed something that fantastical is way more likely than something that fantastical actually happening. I guess that's true. And so you want to tell yourself that that's, that's what actually happened. It just, it felt, it felt weird. It just felt weird that he was just like, like five seconds later, he was like, I guess I just hallucinated 200 years. (laughs) Like that's insane. That's insane. It's the kind but of I thing. Guess it's less insane than actually time traveling. So. Right, that's yeah. uh, they're they're like both incredibly insane. One is just less so. I feel like I would be inclined to think, oh yeah, I did time travel. I mean, being somebody who is obsessed with sci-fi as much as I am, like I would definitely choose to think that it had oh, actually. Oh, but then happened. it would be the other way. It would be like, oh my god, I really wish that was all real, and then actually exactly. you're just crazy. Right. Aw. <laughs> Yikes. Be even worse. Whole dose of reality. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's an, that whole, I don't know. I feel like that's another one of those things where it's tricky because like, w- again, it's the situation where we as the reader know realist or like know what matters in all of that. It's like, it doesn't really matter if it happened or not. What matters is that like we had that story and that was an interesting thing. Right. But, but you know, as a character, that's, that doesn't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time though, like because of that, it's the same deal as like why in that first replay where he has to like spend a lot of time, like coming to terms with what's going on it's like one of the most boring parts of the book. Cause it's like, yeah, I get that. Like you, the character need to come to terms with this. I don't give a shit because you're like fictional. So, and like, and I, and I, like I said, like I read the back of the book. Like I understand what happened here. I know you're going to come back and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to get to that. Cause that's why I'm reading. And it's one of those weird just moments where it's, you understand that he is the character needs to do it. But I think by and large, Grimald overall does a pretty good job of just getting to the point of, Oh my God, was it a dream? I uh, cut to Pamela. <laughs> you know that's that's usually his reaction for a lot of things cut to pamela yeah exactly even the times when we actually break into pamela's point of view those were we did that a couple times and it was pretty interesting yeah um i do want to say that i thought that it was really like interesting and also really funny that the ultimate like message quote unquote of the book is Everything else around me doesn't really matter. I matter. Like, my own personal experience is really what's important here, and everything else is sort of 
you know, to varying degrees of distraction and I can't find, I can't ultimately place my happiness in other things. Because I was thinking a lot about Groundhog Day and how that is the polar opposite message. <laughs> like they go, like they both, both characters go through this whole like, like time travel thing and come out with the exact opposite message, which is amazing. It makes me so happy. Yeah, I kept wondering what's going to make the replays before I understood the skew. I was like, what's going to make them stop? Is this a Groundhog Day situation where it's like <laughs> he has to like learn to like truly be selfless and love people and whatnot? And obviously, I think Jeff would be fucked if that were the case because <laughs> doesn't treat people the best. But anyway, I guess we should wrap this up. Yeah, we should. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Definitely come back for the next episode. We're going to be talking about Looper. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RWP Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast. Check out our Tumblr at rwppodcast.tumblr.com. And look out for our game streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash RWP Podcast. <laughs>